Shalom, and thank you for listening at BethEmmanuel.org. We rely on the generosity of our listeners to sustain this ministry and the message of the coming kingdom of heaven. Please consider making a donation to Beth Emanuel by clicking on the Donate tab at BethEmmanuel.org. In the last teaching, we worked through Ephesians 4, 7-11, in which the Apostle Paul presents himself to the Gentile disciples living in Ephesus as an emissary and representative of the Jewish people, bringing the message of Messiah's revelation to the nations. He sees himself and his colleagues as missionaries, so to speak, on the mission of Israel's national destiny to be a priestly people among the nations and a light to the nations. He says regarding himself and his colleagues, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. Ephesians 4.7. That grace refers to the favor that Paul and the other apostles enjoyed as official emissaries for the Messiah. The Messiah's gift is the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon them, a gift that Yeshua obtained by means of his ascension to the right hand. The gifting is the Spirit of God which rested upon Yeshua while he was among his disciples and was subsequently invested into those upon whom he poured this Spirit out. Two similar stories from the Hebrew Scriptures illustrate the idea. In the Torah, Moses asks God to help him with the task of leadership. He selects 70 elders. The Torah says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. Numbers 11.25 In this way, the Spirit of the Lord that rested upon Moses was shared with the elders. They formed the first Sanhedrin, and they represent the beginning of the chain of spiritual authority that extends through the ages all the way to the prophets and the men of the great assembly, to the sages, the Sanhedrin, the establishment at Yavne, the Jewish courts, and to the rabbinic authority today. It's a spiritual authority that began with the Spirit of God that rested upon Moses, but was transferred thereafter through the laying on of hands, through discipleship, through the office, and through the title. This is why Yeshua ascribed spiritual authority to them, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Matthew 23, 2. That's not the same as claiming that scribes and Pharisees are inerrant. It's simply a concession that their authority has a spiritual basis. God's Spirit is involved and part of shaping Judaism and has been since the beginning. Another similar story is that of Elijah and his disciples. When the prophet Elijah was about to ascend, his disciple Elisha, requested a double portion of the Spirit of God that rested upon Elijah. He asked Elijah to bequeath it upon him. This means that all of Elijah's disciples, the schools of the sons of the prophets, received a portion of the Spirit that rested upon their teacher, Elijah. Elisha wanted twice the amount the others would receive. Elijah told Elisha, that the request would be granted him if he saw him ascend. He saw him ascend, and the spirit that was upon Elijah 
came to rest upon Elisha. God's Spirit rested upon the prophets. The story of Yeshua's ascension and the outpouring of the Spirit on Shavuot falls along the same lines. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Ephesians 4, 8 through 10. The gift that he gave was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples that were gathered in the temple to celebrate the festival of Shavuot. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Messiah. Ephesians 4. 11 and 12. If you have ever heard this passage taught from a pulpit before, you might be familiar with the concept of the fivefold gifts. The idea is that God distributes these various roles and titles among an assembly of disciples. Some people receive the calling to be apostles, which may be a type of church planter or missionary. Some receive the calling to be prophets, which may be understood as one with the gift of prophecy or as one who preaches with a prophetic type of authority. Some receive the calling to be evangelists, usually understood as those most adept at persuading others to become believers, sometimes individuals who conduct large meetings to present the gospel, like the Billy Grahams of the world. Some are called to be shepherds, that is, pastors who care for and tend the local community. And some are called to be teachers, that is, Bible teachers. You just need to figure out which job description God has best suited you to fulfill. I will not dispute that there is a division of labor like this in the Assembly of Messiah. You can compare Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, both of which speak of the body of Messiah and the variety of gifts at work among its members, spiritual gifts which have been bestowed upon the disciples of Yeshua. In one passage, Paul illustrates the point by naming various titles, roles, offices, positions, and gifts within the assembly of Messiah. You are the body of Messiah and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the community of Messiah, first, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But that general gifting of the whole body is not what Paul is talking about here. Instead, his point here goes back to what he told the Ephesian disciples. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, the Messiah Yeshua himself being the cornerstone. 
In other words, he's speaking about the apostolic community of Jewish believers, the original apostles and the prophets of the Jerusalem community. They are the foundation. The idea is that as an apostle, Paul represents this community of Yeshua's Jewish disciples to the Gentiles in Ephesus, fulfilling the role of Israel's priestly duty of reaching to the nations, the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, Romans 15, 16. Some English Bibles obscure this point by omitting the definite articles and implying that these five titles are simply general categories distributed among all believers. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Ephesians 4.11, New American Standard. Correctly translated, each one should have a definite article, not an indefinite sense. The gift that the Messiah took from heaven and gave to human beings is the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Ephesians 4.11 That's significant because it implies that we are not speaking about general categories, not just any apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, but specifically the ones anointed and appointed from the Jerusalem assembly of Yeshua's original disciples. They are the ones upon whom the Spirit was poured out on Shavuot and those appointed by them. And as we saw in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul even ranks them, saying, God has appointed in the community of Yeshua, that is, in the church, first, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers. Not just anyone can be an apostle. It's a measure of grace given to only a few. To be favored by God as an apostle, you had to have been one of those disciples of Yeshua to whom he appeared during the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. During those 40 days, he commissioned the apostles to serve as his witnesses, testifying to his resurrection. Simon Peter described the apostles as follows. He says in Acts 10, 40-43, The risen Yeshua did not appear to all the people, but to us, who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us, to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. There were more than just 12 apostles. According to Paul, the master appeared to more than 500 of his disciples. He appeared to Kephas, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. 1 Corinthians 15, 5-7. There seems to have been a ranking of authority. James and the brothers of the master at the head, stewarding the master's chair at the head of the assembly. The three of the inner circle, Simon Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, are next. Mary Magdalene over the women. Then the rest of the twelve. And after them, the seventy. After them, the rest of those men and women who saw the risen master. 
ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and received his commission to testify. Last but not least comes Paul himself. He refers to himself as an apostle untimely born, only because the Messiah appeared to him after the ascension. He says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. 1 Corinthians 15.8 All of the apostles functioned as Yeshua's official representatives. They had the authority to speak in his name and on his behalf. That was especially true of the original disciples, the twelve and the seventy, who were all present on the day of Shavuot for the outpouring of the Spirit. Paul refers to them as the chief apostles, 2 Corinthians 12.11. They were entrusted with Yeshua's teaching and his message, and they had the authority to perform miracles in his name, as it says regarding the twelve. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal every disease and every affliction, Matthew 10.1. He told them, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, John 14.12 and 13. But the signs and miracles were not limited only to the chief apostles. While living in Ephesus, Paul wrote to the Corinthians saying, I was not at all inferior to these chief apostles, even though I am nothing. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. 2 Corinthians 12, 11 and 12. Nevertheless, it should now be clear that the apostles were a specific group of Jewish believers in Yeshua, his disciples. Many of them were present in the temple on the day of Shavuot when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. Paul said that grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift, Ephesians 4.7. To be favored as one of the apostles was a special measure of God's grace, Messiah's gift. The Apostles, the Prophets. The Prophets refer not to the Old Testament prophets, but to the prophets of the Jerusalem assembly, men and women from among the disciples of Yeshua invested with the gift of prophecy. The early apostolic community had a special class of prophets, Jewish men and women, who had been commissioned by the Messiah as prophets in fulfillment of the words, In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Acts 2.18 The prophet Agabus and his colleagues, of whom it says, Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, were among them. They predicted a famine that was about to come upon the land, one that Jewish history can corroborate as taking place. It happened as the prophets of the Yeshua community predicted. We know that the spirit of prophecy was very much at work in the first generation of Yeshua's disciples. We see that in the book of Acts, but I also think of the story about the flight to Pella. 
A tradition of the early Jewish believers explains that, before the war with Rome, a prophecy in the Jerusalem community of Yeshua followers issued a warning to flee the city and withdraw to the Transjordanian Decapolis city of Pella. The community received a sign on Shavuot that year, and they heeded the warning. They withdrew from Jerusalem and relocated to Pella. When the Jewish revolt broke out later that year, the Gentiles, in all but a few of the Decapolis cities, turned against their Jewish populations and slaughtered them. Pella was among those where the Jewish community survived. Prophets don't always predict the future. To prophesy means to speak on behalf of a deity. It's not always a prediction of the future. And the gift of prophecy is not limited only to people officially commissioned as prophets. Not everyone with the gift of prophecy qualified for this role. Paul rhetorically asks in 1 Corinthians 12, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? To be favored as one of the prophets was a special measure of God's grace. Other disciples who joined the community later as well as individuals among the Gentile communities of Yeshua's disciples, also received the gift of prophecy, but Paul does not include them in this specific designation of the prophets. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. The evangelists refers not to just anyone with a knack for winning converts and persuading people to believe in Yeshua. It refers to the proclaimers of the good news from the Jerusalem community of Yeshua's original disciples. The term evangelist seems to be derived from Psalm 68, 12, where it says, the Lord gives the word, the evangelists are a great host. Again, that's my translation. As I explained last week, the psalm, which is the psalm for the day of Shavuot, uses the word mevasrot, which literally means proclaimers of good news. The Talmud interprets this same verse to refer to the giving of the Torah in every language when it says, every single word that went forth from the Almighty divided into 70 languages. The book of Acts refers to the evangelists as those who went out from Jerusalem speaking the word, preaching the Master Yeshua. Acts eleven nineteen through 21 Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some among them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Master Yeshua. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Acts 11, 19-21 Chief disciples of the apostles carried the title evangelist as well. For example, the twelve apostles appointed seven servants, men of good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom. The apostles laid hands on them, commissioning them to act on their behalf as apostles of the apostles. These included Philip, who is referred to as Philip the Evangelist, Acts 21.8. Likewise, Paul appointed Timothy as his agent over the assembly in Ephesus, and he said to him, Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry, 2 Timothy 4.5. The evangelists are the direct agents of the apostles. 
That's not to say that other disciples who joined the community later, including some disciples among the Gentile communities, did not also evangelize and proclaim the good news. But Paul does not include them in this specific designation of the evangelists. The original evangelists were those favored disciples of Yeshua who received the Spirit at Shavuot in Acts 2 and went out from Jerusalem, or, as in Timothy's case, those who became direct agents of the apostles. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. The shepherds and teachers refers to others from among the original disciples of Yeshua, probably among those who received the outpouring of the Spirit on Shavuot. This is where we get the title pastor, which literally means shepherd. The original shepherds and teachers, however, were not just anyone with the gift of pastoring or teaching. They were Jewish disciples of Yeshua commissioned to teach and shepherd the community of Yeshua, as when Yeshua said to Simon Peter, Feed my sheep. Apparently, Paul had in mind specific Jewish believers acting in these roles as representatives of the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. He probably had in mind his own colleagues and traveling companions. That's not to say that other disciples who joined the community later, including some disciples among the Gentile communities, did not also become pastors and teachers, but Paul does not include them in this specific designation. None of these categories are mutually exclusive. It's possible to belong to several. Paul might have considered himself as belonging to all five categories. Both Paul and Barnabas seem to qualify as apostles, prophets, and teachers. We also meet Simeon Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Luke, and Manasseh, the teachers and prophets in the community of disciples that formed at Antioch. Acts 13.1. To recapitulate everything we have just learned, Paul tells the Gentiles living in Ephesus that God favored specific individuals from the original community of Jewish disciples by designating them with authority to serve the body of Messiah as the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers. Those are the five. Contrary to the traditional view, they are not five-fold ministry gifts generally distributed among Yeshua followers so that every assembly of Yeshua can expect to have some who are apostles, some who are prophets, some who are evangelists, and some who are shepherds and teachers. I have always understood this as self-evident regarding the category of apostles, but not until I read Lionel Windsor's commentary, Reading Ephesians and Colossians After Supersessionism, did I realize it pertains to all five categories? Windsor emphasizes the continuity between the first part of Ephesians and this section. Remember that the first three chapters of Ephesians lays out Paul's teachings about distinction between Israel and the nations, between the Jewish disciples and the disciples from the nations. This discussion of the five offices in Ephesians 4, naturally continues that discussion in that these five offices, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, represent the Jewish community and the Jewish religion to the nations. 
They are fulfilling their role of being a light to the nations, introducing the world to the one God, the God of Israel and his Messiah. They are the Messiah's gift to human beings, a gift he obtained by ascending like Moses into heaven and taking it from the angels. Paul counts himself among that select group of chosen ones when he says grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. They represent Israel and the Jewish people to the nations. It's their job to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Messiah. How did the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers equip the saints for the work of ministry? That's what we will learn about Monday morning on Shavuot. Take on my yoke and learn from me and find rest for your soul.